to our viewing audience and to our audio audience as well. Welcome to Heads Up, a show about mental health and wellness. I'm retired school counselor Sue Mullen, and with me today is my co-host, Diane Vaccarello, licensed mental health and family therapist. Diane Vaccarello. Sue Mullen. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. Great to see you. Um, I want to kind of clue our audience in a little bit to the fact that we are doing a six-part series on wellness. Yes. And last week, I actually surprised you a bit. You did. <laughs> um, which was great because it sort of feeds into this idea that we like to plump down here in our living room mm -hmm. and talk to each other about mental health and wellness. Right. Last week, you had no idea what was coming. I really didn't. And you allowed me to pick a topic out of the six that you mentioned. Yep. And we did focus on that. I think I went around the circle with a few of them so that we're what we're planning on doing today is getting into number two, yes. um, you know, topic, second yep. topic. Yep. And are you picking this week? I am. Okay. Great. I am. Uh, we agreed that we were going to look at the six dimensions of wellness Yes. and that this is the work of Dr. Bill Hetler, the co-founder of the National Wellness Institute out mm -hmm. of Wisconsin. Yes. And last week, we started by talking about occupations mm -hmm. and how your occupation can fit into your wellness or yeah. not, mm -hmm. as the case may be. Right. And I think our intent is probably going to be to circle back to that as we come around um, after talking about this week's topic, mm. which is, are you ready? Drum roll. <laughs> Physical well-being. Excellent. All right. Okay. So um, let me, let me, let me give, you, give you what I got. Okay. So... When we talk about physical well-being, what we're talking about is eating well, exercising regularly, and avoiding harmful habits by making mm. responsible decisions. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right, it yeah. sounds great, but in practice, mm -hmm. the reality is that it translates into all kinds of recommendations that people get from the American Medical Association, from the uh, American Dietary Association. Right. Things like we should all be exercising 150 minutes a week. Mm. We should all be eating five fruits and vegetables a day. Right. We should not be uh, drinking more than one or two alcoholic beverages. Mm. And we should avoid tobacco, stressful situations, whatever. There's a whole laundry list of things that we're supposed to do right. to be physically well. Mm -hmm. But my question to you, licensed family mm -hmm. mental health counselor, how do we get people to do what they're supposed to do mm. when they don't want to? So as a marriage and family therapist, I work with individuals, couples, and families. The interesting part of this is I get to see a person's own process of what they feel like is important or healthy for them. Mm -hmm. I also get to see what family members' opinions of what healthy looks like. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has the same, um, maybe in in the same agreement. I think broadly, we all 
probably feel like food and rest and all these things are really important mm -hmm. for us, but why is it that it can be a struggle at times? I think mostly because life can get very busy. We can get off track from this idea of like structurally what we need in yep. a given day. Yep. But I honestly think it has to do with the idea, one, humans aren't really great at being like told what to do. I feel like in general, it's better when we can like walk across the line versus be pushed or pulled yep. in many ways, including <clears throat> physical health. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is just tuning into what works for us. It's an individualized, customized kind of thing that we need to, to basically have feedback loops with our own body mm -hmm. to see what feels good, what works. Um, you know, the interesting thing with exercise is it doesn't feel good. It's like it really doesn't. Like it, Oh, I it have can, a lot to say about this. <laughs> a lot. I mean, it, it can hurt. You can be sore afterwards. Mm -hmm. So mentally, there's these almost like negative feedback loops saying, why are you doing this to yourself? You have to get through the discomfort to come out the other side to feel some of the positive effects, like feeling stronger, mm -hmm. um, feeling more flexible, maybe understanding that you can do things you couldn't do before. Those feedback loops come much later. And I think psychologically, it's hard sometimes when you're maybe stressed out and life is, you know, full of all sorts of things to feel that soon enough. Listen, it all sounds easy. 150 minutes a week. What is that? A little over two hours, breaks right? Breaks down, yep, which breaks down to approximately 30 minutes a day, five days a yeah. week. It sounds great. Right. I do not want to get out of that chair. I can think of a hundred things mm -hmm. that I could be doing with my time. Mm -hmm. And so I rationalize it, mm -hmm. right? I have arthritis. It hurts for me right. to exercise. Right. Um, you know, wh where does the benefit and the risk, you know, wh where's the sweet spot between those right. two things? Yeah. How common is it for people to rationalize themselves out of the things that are very good for them? Super common. Okay. So, so there's this term, well, it, it's referred to sometimes as like the rocket ship of thought. So mm -hmm. you have like five seconds to make a decision and actually trust your decision mm -hmm. or your, your comment mm -hmm. to yourself. So if somebody's like sitting on in their living room or something saying, I really should work out right now, or I really should do some stretching. Well, if they say that to themselves and 10 seconds later, they're still not doing it, the chances of them actually getting up and doing it are much more reduced than okay. it was before. So part of it is, if you're gonna say that to yourself, maybe you know you could say, okay, I might not wanna do this whole workout, but I'm gonna do five <clears throat> minutes of it or 10 minutes of it, or I'm just yep. going to show up on my mat and maybe do some stretching while I'm watching a show or something, you know, like it's moving it in some fashion. Um, but once we do that, usually there's like a little bit of a momentum that gets built, you know? Five fruits and vegetables. <laughs> do you eat five fruits and vegetables daily? I literally had to get gas today in between some meetings that I was going to, and I stopped at a gas station and found the healthiest snack I could find in there mm -hmm. was like a, a power bar kind of thing and some vitamin water, you know, but fruits and there were no fruits and vegetables there and you know part of it is planning ahead it's being able to do all these things but sometimes we just have to also make decisions the best decisions we have in the moment or at the time the pressure to to do 
it perfectly all the time and mm -hmm. to, you know, some people get down on themselves and say, I should be better at this, you know, adulting or whatever right. it is, you know. Right. Um, but honestly, we need to, to keep showing up and doing the best that we can in the moment. It doesn't I, mean I, it's perfect. I, I have to laugh because I, I know I do it myself that, you know, I, I convince myself that Eating the peanuts is fine because mm -hmm. peanuts are such a natural, Protein. wholesome, right? Yes. Protein mm -hmm. source. And let's face it, they're so much better than the cookies that I really want. Right. That, no. um, you know, when somebody comes out and tells me that I should be eating a teaspoon of peanut butter, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a little de depressing Well, it's sometimes. a challenge. It's, it's a kind challenge. of a challenge, it's, too. It, it depends on how much you like peanut butter, right? But, right. But ultimately, that's part of it is it's a feel. We also, just if we step back and look at the big picture of this, it's about human brains are wired to feel good. Mm -hmm. And so this thing with exercise where it's like you can anticipate feeling sore, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do it so many times to not have the soreness anymore. Yep. But I was doing yoga the other day. It's one of the things that I feel like grounds me physically and mentally. And I, whatever yoga session I had, I was super sore the next day, more than I normally would be, which has a feedback loop that could be, well, you really did something. You worked a muscle group that you hadn't worked before, some mm -hmm. micro muscles in there. Um, but it also was sort of like felt like a little bit like it threw me off on my, my momentum a little bit too right. because I knew the next time was going to be I was going to feel that in a that different way. That much worse. It's that much worse. Right. And so, right. you know, some of it, uh, humans really um, go towards what feels good. Sometimes it's a, you know, working out feels good. Even the hard parts of it feel mm -hmm. good because you mm -hmm. feel stronger sort of mentally and physically. I do think there's an association, a connection with the stronger we are physically, we can also become stronger mentally and vice versa. Oh, most definitely. And I find that um, it's the... It's the beginning of anything that is always the hardest. Yes. You know, after you've been exercising or eating well or uh, getting those mm. fruits and vegetables for six weeks, mm -hmm. you're good to go because you're in a rhythm. Yes, exactly. It's the beginning of that cycle when everything feels like a sacrifice Hard. or, yeah, yeah, that yeah. you have to uh, exert so much energy just to do the basic things. Um, so on our list, Diane, we also have some, you know, pretty obvious things like taking care of your good hygiene and making sure that you get good medical and dental care yes. as part of your physical well-being. Mm -hmm. Because I think that sometimes people like to ignore signs yeah. and symptoms that maybe there's something wrong with them either physically or particularly in their mouth. Yes. I know a ton of people that are afraid to go to the dentist. Yeah, I think that avoidance piece again or anticipation that it's going to be uh, uncomfortable, mm -hmm. that there's going to be discomfort there and we have a tendency I think to sometimes avoid that um, hope that mm -hmm. you know we can just squeeze through a little bit longer with that. I honestly think that, again, that your point about habits, forming habits and forming structure, mm -hmm. it does allow that to get easier. Something like um, dental work or like getting your teeth clean, what is it recommended every six months or so? Yep. There's a long gap in there. That's not a habit forming, right? right. When we're talking about a daily it's practice, an event. it's an event. Exactly. It's not a, a habit. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to keep... Uh, 
starting the ball again on something like that, going to the doctor or the dentist? So, so uh, I'm going to take you someplace. Um, I don't know. Maybe this will be slightly surprising, but in talking about habits and physical well-being, uh, many of us have bad habits. Mm that impact our physical and mental well-being. Right. Uh, some of them have to do with food. I mean, I'm thinking about friends that would describe themselves as being unable to live without sweets. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them have to do with uh, compulsive behaviors. Mm -hmm. The opposite of me who hates the 30 minutes of day of exercise is the person that spends three hours a day in the gym. Right. right. So talk to me a little bit about sort of the bad habits that can happen as a result of being overly concerned about physical well-being. So there's a couple things that come to mind. One, you're asking about the overly physical, you know, yeah. that type of habit. I'm thinking about um, the idea that sometimes people, uh, certain habits can take on a life of their own, mm -hmm. for example. And um, it's almost as though who's in charge of this habit? Is the habit in charge of you or are you in charge of the habit? So we yep. have to um, encourage like a kind of flexibility that we test ourselves every now and again and say, can we do without even that mm -hmm. exercise of three hours and yep. do something different so we can make sure we're fluid and that we're not just mm -hmm. sort of like route in that sense. Um, so that, you know, then we're talking about interrupting patterns in a sense, but we have to understand what patterns, what's the purpose it's serving for us? Right. What are we getting out of it that's like a negative feedback loop and what are we getting that's positive for ourselves? Mm -hmm. So there are definitely bad habits, even um, I'm thinking about bad habits that are like drinking alcohol, right? Um, where a person is, again, it's maybe sending a message to the brain, the emotion center part of the brain where it says this feels good. And so so mm -hmm. I just felt relaxed all of a sudden when I had this drink. So I'm, you know, it's reinforcing itself to do that the next time you feel stressed out or nervous or just want to relax and enjoy yourself. So are you talking about the person who comes home and has a glass of wine at the end of the day? Yes. Universally, or are you talking about the person who doesn't know how to relax without having the glass of wine at the end of the day, or both? Both. both. Okay. Because the take the latter one of not knowing how to relax without a glass of wine, right, mm -hmm. or something, something, some substance, or. Um, so that is always important to test, like, can I do without that? Or can I interrupt that? If there's this many drinks, can I do this many instead? Yep. You know, what happens if I do that? And gather information, try and get a sense for what happens. I'm also talking about somebody who at the end of the day, because again, it's a habit. Mm -hmm. And so um, habits mean we tend to do them more longer term and regularly, even yep. exercise as a habit or yep. certain food choices as a habit. So a choice around um, a glass of wine can be, can, can I actually interrupt that habit and what happens? Mm -hmm. You know, it's making sure that you have control over it versus it having control over you. Right, right. Yeah. So it becomes more of 
sort of a faulty coping mechanism if it takes over you as opposed to you being in charge of it? Yeah, and, and so I think that's just an internal test you want to do just with a lot of things in life just to make yep. sure that you have sort of like the upper hand of that. Yep. Um, I also think that with alcohol, oftentimes it's not a problem unless it's a problem. Mm -hmm. If it's interfering with something like your sleep patterns or your choices around food, some people might drink more and then not eat as much or eat more depending on what they're drinking. Yeah. Um, it might interrupt a person's job or relationships or any of those things. You know, if, if it's interruptive, then it's officially a problem. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not, then is it a problem? I mean, how do you know if it's a problem? Well, that w that's exactly what I was going to yeah. ask you. How yeah. do you know if it's a problem? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's also about how you feel. Like there's right. again that negative feedback loop that can happen. Might have felt really good until the next morning. Then you're not yep. feeling great. Yeah. And you're paying for that a little bit. You know, that's a negative feedback loop. And then you're saying, why did I do this again? You know what I mean? Why did right. I do that if it doesn't feel good? So if we extrapolate from that and uh, use sort of the same model when we're considering um, eating habits, mm -hmm. then you would say, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. you would say, um, you know, if somebody is sneaking food out of the family candy jar mm -hmm. and it therefore means that a relationship is going to be affected by it sure then you know it's one thing to uh eat the last reese's peanut butter cup but it's yeah. another thing if you know that it's your kid's favorite thing and they're mm -hmm. going to be upset and you choose the reese's peanut butter cup right what kind of disturbance is it causing? Yeah, that delivers you know. a different message. Yeah, and it's important to keep an eye on those kinds of things and not be in sort of denial around, you know, what impact it has on yourself or other people. Um, let me ask you about eating disorders. Mm. Uh, it's a big topic. Yeah. Uh, I <clears throat> can suspect that we may in fact do an entire segment sure. on eating disorders at yeah. some point. Yeah. Perhaps with an eating disorders expert yes. with us. Yes, that would be great. But from uh, you know, from that sort of family mental health and therapy point of view, um, what's the deal with an eating disorder and yeah. in terms of somebody's physical wellness? So if I were to give an overarching 101 sort of view on it, mm -hmm. um, eating, there are two things that we don't want to over-involve or interfere with when we're parenting and raising a, a child into an adult. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say that those two areas are potty training and food. We really don't want to force either of those things that there's an um, because bad things happen bad if things you do. happen if you do you really like when a child is ready for potty, potty training they're ready for potty training of course you can do reinforcement there's nothing wrong with uh, we used to have like the the potty train I think we would mm -hmm. have like a, a whistle you know or something right. like that and but you don't want to force a child that's not ready and you don't want to shame them or make them feel like they are right. not good enough because they're not moving along quick enough with mm -hmm. it um, same with eating reminding a person or talking to them about are you 
you eating enough? Do you, you know, like getting over-involved, yep. um, as well as it's mostly it ends up backfiring. It's a control issue is what it ends up being. Mm -hmm. And that, that child or that teenager, that young adult, they have ultimate control over eating. They have ultimate control right. over potty training. Do you know what I mean? Really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it can turn into a thing where there needs to be like a curtain of privacy and um, control. And so it's a backstage kind of thing that ends up happening oftentimes um, without somebody knowing, mm -hmm. without the family members necessarily knowing in the beginning yep. of as it's growing into, you know, an, uh, a problem. And again, because it can be habit forming, there's this, um, I was actually speaking with someone uh, recently where you know, they never really, they, they did actually get bullied um, for being overweight, things mm. that people would say to them. So they felt like the control that they had was to remain thinner and to control that. Yep. Um, and so that it's it has stayed with them for, you know, many, many years. Yep. Um, and so a lot of it is, you know, there's uh, Bedford Eating Disorder Clinic. There's all sorts of resources. There's... Um, uh, you know, IOP programs, which are partial programs mm -hmm. where people can really like have some intervention around interrupting those unhealthy patterns. Mm -hmm. And there's usually emotions <clears throat> and cognitions associated with food. Mm -hmm. And so it's really understanding and separating those out and understanding what's behind that. And, and really teaching the family system also how to support their loved one, mm -hmm. because that's where um, they need the most support. Even if their loved one is four yeah. and can speak in full mm -hmm. sentences and is still not ready to be potty trained. Generally speaking, a child does want to, to get there and they mm -hmm. have the ability. If there's a, there's this term called enuresis or encapresis, that's where a, a child has a um, accident like number one or number two, yeah. um, but it's sometimes, you know, symptomatic of something else going on for mm -hmm. that child. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about necessarily, you know, like a four-year-old, although that could happen later on because of some trauma or some situation that's taken place. Um, and still that reaction of, you know, sort of shame or like, yep. you need to change yep. your bed and take care of those sheets yep. because you did this. You know yep. what I mean? Those are things that don't go so well. So there's a way of responding to that kind of thing. And there are professionals that Absolutely. can help Absolutely. with all of yes. these situations. Unpacking that and yep. figuring out how to handle that. I've talked to many parents of four-year-olds uh, who don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. And I've talked to many parents of 14-year-olds yes. who, when food is the control vehicle, yes. don't know what to do. Right. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, we have experts right within our own Absolutely. community that can not only sort of help unpack what the issues may be behind the control, right, right. but also help people develop a response Yes. That will support everybody. Support health and growth and yeah. wellness in that area so yeah. that the eating disorder does not need to be a part of their life in that way. Yeah. So, Diane, would you agree 
I'm going to put you on the spot here. Mm. Would you agree that this concept of physical wellness has to do with balance and moderation? I mean, is that what we're looking at to figure out what works for each and every one of us in terms of where we give and where we take? Yeah, it's not about being perfect with it. It's about um, being kind to yourself truly in all these ways. You know, when mm -hmm. we eat healthier, whole, more whole foods, the body truly will feel better in yeah. terms of its functioning and its capability. Our brain can think, you know, differently mm -hmm. at times. So then separating that out from like comfort foods and things like that, but give yourself comfort, give yourself some soothing, whatever that is, just not so much that it has these negative drawbacks right. where you right. are hooked on sugar or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. Where you can yeah. enjoy it, yeah. but not be... Um, craving it so much that you get distracted, mm -hmm. there's a difference. Is the ultimate goal um, how you feel in terms of your own sense of wellness? Because I'm aware of the fact that at no point in time in this conversation have we talked about how you look. Right. Because this is one of those things where I think it's important when we're talking with um, family members, with with friends even, it is important to sort of check in instead of like trying to be controlling around something, mm -hmm. right? Or judgmental mm -hmm. around appearance or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, asking yourself and asking someone else that you care about, um, you know, is that working for them? Mm -hmm. And how that makes them feel, you know, uh, feelings are tough things. It's more like, is that is that working for you? Mm -hmm. And have people think about that on their own around what's working and what's not. Yeah, but internally, you know, it's, it's asking that kind of question. Right, and being able to accept the fact that what works for me may not work for you. Absolutely. You may be jumping up out of that chair so excited over that 30 minutes of exercise. Exactly. And I may be sitting in that chair thinking, I wonder what I'm going to make for dinner. Yeah. And both of those scenarios have a, a, a place and a, yeah. and a worthwhile part in a family life. Can even be self-care, both mm -hmm. of those things yes. in different ways, right? But yeah. it really has to do with being real and open with that what is good for that person for your own self mm -hmm. and um, trying to support that individualized you know recipe mm -hmm. no pun intended but really it's you know even people with allergies I find it so interesting when they might really love something that mm -hmm. they're eating but it doesn't make their body feel good so they can let it go easier or it's still a struggle but their body is rejecting that um, there's something really interesting at the psychological level of that right where it's like oh most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Right. I uh, come from a family that has celiac disease. Yes, exactly. And so people ask me all the time, how can you live without mm -hmm. deep dish pizza? Yeah. And I'm like, well, if deep dish pizza made you feel exactly like you were somehow or another shredding your colon, yes, exactly. you probably would Let, give up yes. on the deep dish pizza. And pick something different. And pick something different yeah. because it's all about good choices. Mm -hmm. All right, I have totally and thoroughly enjoyed this conversation about physical wellness. Yes, um, I am struck as I sit, last week we talked about occupations, this week we've talked about physical wellness. Wellness. Um, I can't decide which domain is most important to me yet. 
You know, what's important to me about both of those domains is that we support the idea of a person coming towards those decisions on their own mm -hmm. with some support, but that, you know, we have to make our own choices with those things and the rewards and consequences that go with them. Thank you for being here with mm, me today. My pleasure. Thank you to our viewing and listening audience. We'll see you next week with episode number four, three. Which one are we on? Uh, three. Yes. Episode number three in our wellness series. And you can find us on BCTV, on YouTube. Just look for a heads up. We're on demand and live if you're in our viewing area. Exactly. So I think it's number four, actually. Number four of season two. Okay. Well, goes to show you we're fluid. <laughs> we are. All right. We're flying. I'll see you next week. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye.